Hello and welcome to the It Doesn't Hold Up podcast. We review and reevaluate all things we remember fondly from our childhood and years prior and to see if they still hold up. And more often than not, they probably don't. I'm Stuart Shepherd, along with my co-host and good friend, Michael Smith. Smith, how are you doing? Doing pretty empty inside, I'm not going to lie. Oh, I, I see what you did there. It's, it's funny because it, it relates to this week's nomination. It's, that's very clever. Very mm-hmm. clever indeed. It's cleverer than the film. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sure we will discuss this at length. At length. But <laughs> before we get on to this week's nomination, just want to talk a little bit about last week's episode. So, don't know about you, Smith, but I received a ton of really, really good feedback about our debut episode, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was tremendous. It's more than I could have asked for, to be honest with you. We got some good anecdotal feedback from friends and family. We've got a good star rating so far on Apple Podcasts. Um, I believe some reviews have been submitted on Spotify. Not read those yet. But yeah, everything's pointing in the right direction. And yeah, we thank you very much for watching our video on YouTube and listening to our podcast on Spotify and Apple. I had underestimated how much people love that film. I've got quite a lot of hate given to me in the street. So, you know, <laughs> if, you, yes. if you feel the need to express your feedback like that, please don't. Yeah, I had people as well saying, I'm about to listen to your episode. You're going to ruin my shoulder for me, aren't you? You're going to ruin my shoulders. Oh, well, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, just for the record, I think it still kind of holds up. I know Smith doesn't think it holds up. No, but, uh, not at all. Yes, however, however, this week's nomination... So not to spoil anything, though, but uh, oh, also I wanted to give a little bit of a trigger warning. So we're discussing things of a, an adult nature in this ep- episode. So just a trigger warning. There might be some discussions that may feel you a bit. Ugh. So, yeah, just to pre-warn you in advance. So, yeah, this week's nomination, which was nominated by Smith, is Hollow Man from the year 2000. And to give you a very brief synopsis, it's about Sebastian Kane, played by Kevin Bacon, who is a brilliant scientist who's developed a serum to make himself invisible and then becomes the test pilot of said serum to become invisible with uh, dire consequences. And yeah, before we go into a detailed plot synopsis, I believe Smith has a few trivia things on the year it came out, which is in the year 2000. Yeah, I just wanted to, it's not really trivia, but I just wanted to set the scene a little bit for the year 2000. You know, what the, the cultural headspace was at the time that Hollow Man was released. Um, the Y2K bug had not killed us all. So we were all a little bit confused. We didn't know what was going on. We were stumbling our way through into the new century. Who knows? Um, the Millennium Dome opened and closed. That clearly wasn't the answer. Um, we crashed out of the group stages at the Euro 2000. So football was not going to be a sale for the population. Big Brother launched for the first time in the year 2000. And I think that ties together with this film quite nicely in the theme of voyeurism and and the gaze. Um, Anne Robinson began presenting The Weakest Link, and we were all playing Snake on Nokia. So entertainment really hadn't reached its zenith yet. Um, now, Stu, would you like to care to guess what the number one selling single in the UK was of the year 2000? I'm going to have a bet that it was probably something like S Club 7 or Westlife <laughs> or something like that. I think they both featured in the top 10, but no, no. The okay. number one selling single in the UK in the year 2000 was the Baja Men who let the dogs out. Now, they see, that's interesting, right? I was doing a quiz the other day, and they said that song came out in 1998. I was like, no, it didn't. It didn't. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It came, out the, year it came out in the year 2000. Yeah, absolutely. So it was the top selling single in the UK of the year 2000. Again, culture was not at its high point in the year 2000. No. And I had curtains, so... Yes, and yeah, I had French crop, as you oh, pointed yeah. out on we the were, end of our yeah. last episode. Yes, we were. We were very trendy people. Very trendy. In fact, there's a scene we'll come on to in a minute when we uh, see Kevin Bacon strolling along wearing a long leather jacket. I, like, I had that exact same jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you know he's cool, Stu, because he wears a long leather jacket. 
Indeed. I think I think I might have even <laughs> wore that said leather jacket to the cinema to watch this, which comes on to our next point. So how old were you when you first saw this film and how did you see it? Did you see it at the cinema? <laughs> did you watch it on video when it came out of rent? Did you have a dodgy pirate? How did you watch it? So I was I was 15 years old when this first came out. And um, I believe and when I say I believe, I mean, you reminded me that I went to see this at the cinema with our mutual friend Craig. Um, it now, it was an 18 certificate. So um, I'm not sure how I got to go to cinema to see it, but I did. I think I probably always looked about 50. So, um, yeah, I saw it at the cinema. It wasn't my first 18 certificate at the cinema, I don't think. That was Scream 3 mm. earlier in the year, which I, uh, which I saw at the cinema. Um, probably emboldened me to try again. So, yes, um, I saw it at the cinema when I was 15 years old. And 15-year-old me rather liked it. Fantastic. Yeah, I believe you? I was 16. Yeah, I think I was 16 because it came out September 2000 in the UK. Mm. Um, so I think I only just turned 16. Now, I can't work out if it was my first 18 or not. I've got a feeling it might have been Snatch, which me, you and said friend Craig went to see. Hello, Greg, if you're listening. Um, Hi, Greg. <laughs> but yeah, I believe all three of us went to see Snatch the night before. And I think the day after I went to see Hollow Man with a girlfriend at the time. I don't know why I remember crazy stuff that happened 23 years ago. But anyway. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Mean, remind me. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, like, you know, wearing, wearing that leather jacket, wearing a nice shirt and jeans and gelling my hair real nice. I'd be like, two tickets to Hollow Man, please. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> I assure you I'm 18. Good day, no. good, good, day good sir. <laughs> Guy incognito. No, I but think I... I'd like to watch mm, Hollow Man, <laughs> whatever is this. Oh, what a romp that was. But no, um, I've had, I remember getting in to see it and no drama, not being asked for any ID, being really excited. Wow, I'm going to see an 18 film. And yeah, being like, okay, yeah, not too bad. I think it was good. I mean, we'll talk about it later, what we thought about it at the time and how we think about it. Now. I think even, 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 even at 15 and 16, we, we had, you know, watched a lot of films in our lives. I mean, we've both been film fans since we were, you know, tiny. Um so we were familiar with Paul Verhoeven and his works before we went to see this. So this would have been an exciting trip to the cinema to see the new Paul Verhoeven film, the last uh, US directed Paul Verhoeven film, I might add. That's right. He then went back to doing movies like L, which is also quite shocking. I've seen, but that's a French foreign language film. But uh, I don't mm. think we're going to be covering that because no, you know, I've never seen it. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I enjoyed it. Okay. It's perverted. Have you seen Have you seen Black Book, which is the film he does directly after this? I have not. Which is Carice Van Houten. It's a it's a it's a it's a Dutch language, I believe Dutch language World War Two drama. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a really good film. It again has some quite shocking scenes in it, but for the most part, it's it's you know it's sober. It's it's adult. It's it's a proper film made by a proper filmmaker. Okay. Not to say that this isn't, but I might be saying that very shortly. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, the Black Book, you say? Yeah, Black Book. I'd cool. recommend it to anyone who's listening. I really would. It's it's very very good. Cool. I'll add that to the list. But yes, back to Hollow Man. So I don't know about you, but I feel like this film came out of the blue as well. I think we'd gone to the cinema to see something else and saw a trailer for it. I thought, oh, that looks cool. And there was a few like TV spots. Where I was like, I really want to see that. Like, I mean, last episode we were talking about Turtles. There was a buzz about it for a long time about it coming out. But this movie just seemed to come out of nowhere. And also, it seems to be one of those movies that people have largely forgotten. And it was quite funny when you nominated it. I was like, oh, God, yeah, Hollow Man. Yeah, not watched that for a good few years. So one of those movies that just came and gone, made a small impact and then went away very quickly. So in the last week or so, I've gone um, to my local purveyor of of DVDs and such and bought myself a copy of Hollow Man. uh, I already had it. 
well, I've never owned this in any sort of medium before, mm-hmm. which is strange because I remember enjoying it at the cinema. And it's the kind of thing I've definitely seen it since then. Mm. So whether or not I rented it, whether or not I had a hooky DVD of it from somewhere, I don't know, but I have definitely seen it since. Yeah. I've just never yeah. owned it. And now I do. There you go. But then I was starting to think, when was the last time I actually watched this? Because I think I must have bought it on DVD, maybe watched it once or twice, and then mm. never again. So I, I probably, probably watched not... it around yours. It's probably when I watched it probably. after you bought it on DVD. Yeah, so it's got to be a good 20 years since we've seen it. But uh, yeah, so I revisited it this week and I had to take copious notes because I'm now going to do quite a detailed synopsis, just like we did with Turtles. So Smith, you'll have to try and guide me. If I miss anything out, please do. No, don't worry, I will interrupt at length. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Cool. So the film starts with a rat running along. Suddenly the rat is grabbed. You've already missed something, Stu. It starts with 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 the title credits, which looks like jizz. (laughs) <laughs> it looks like the names of the cast coagulating in jizz. Oh god! Then written underneath in text, in case you didn't, you couldn't read the jizz writing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So it sets the tone for the movie straight sets the tone away. Straight off. Yeah. There we go. Then, then, sorry. Then the rats. Yes. Well, I'm very glad I gave the trigger warning before you made the jizz comment. But yes. Okay. So don't get triggered get... by jizz. <laughs> Please stop saying that. Anyway, so we got the credits, and then once the credits are finished, we get a rat running along. The rat is grabbed by an unseen force, and a massive chunk is taken out of it. Is it the Hollow Man? No, it's not. Turns out it's a gorilla. So my first thing was, do gorillas eat rats? Well, so I, I, I can't believe I have to say this for the second podcast in a row. I'm not a vet, but gorillas do not eat rats. Yeah. I, I looked into this. They do not, because <laughs> I asked the same question. I thought, no, hold on. Somebody doesn't sit right here. They eat fruit and occasionally ants. Yeah, unless, I don't know, maybe being invisible has really enraged the gorilla and now it'll just eat anything and lash out at anything. Who knows? So, yes, <laughs> we get Angry Gorilla to start the movie. Then we get Kevin Bacon, Sebastian Kane working at his computer on a very 1990s-looking PC, and he's working on trying to get the coding right for the serum to bring someone back or bring something back from being invisible. So they've worked out how to make something invisible, just not how to bring it back. So they've gone ahead and made lots of things invisible without being able to bring them back from being invisible. Yeah, there's many dogs, monkeys, gorillas, and whatever else in that lab that are all invisible. Just good science. Yeah, just why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? And then here's a one as well. I know they got the thermal cameras. What if one of those things, like say they made a mouse or said rat invisible and it ran away? How would they know? But yeah. Uh, well, they, they answer that later in the film. Actually, there is a line of dialogue where they say they used sensors for things that were too small. Oh no, they used the 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 VR goggles. Uh, sorry, the thermal goggles. infrared goggles yep. for things that were too small to be picked up by the sensors. Uh, okay, so you might have answered a gripe I had later on in the film, but anyway, we'll come yeah, to but the bit where it turns into alien. <laughs> yes, when it turns into alien. Yes, basically. <laughs> in fact, that was one of my points. Is this alien? But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, suddenly out of nowhere. Bacon has a eureka moment and like, oh, that's the that's the code. So types in the code and it's like serum complete. In the midst of that, his neighbor across from the apartment decides to come home from work and get changed with all the curtains open and the lights on, that sort of thing. Now, I know several women, uh, uh, come as a surprise, but as I understand it, yes, whenever they get changed, they do like to get changed walking from room to room of their flat with all the windows open and just strewn, just throwing clothes all over the place. With every single light on in the apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how women get, get, get undressed yeah. as far as I'm Yeah, standard. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, and of course, Bacon's got all the lights on in his apartment, and she can't see someone going like that, looking <laughs> through the blinds. But yeah, you know, that's that's fine. So anyway, once, once he's cracked the serum code, he decides to 
Skype, I guess. Uh, Elizabeth Shue. I'm not even sure Skype existed back then. No, he decides to use Zoom calls in the year 2000 with a clarity better than what we're getting now. Yeah, this this totally isn't possible. I know these guys are like scientists and it's Pentagon funded. Was like, yeah, I don't even think Skype, Zoom, MSN Messenger was that good back then. So no, I'm this not whole film, that. this whole film has that sort of early two thousands nineties trope of computers doing computer stuff, which is someone like when he's cracking the serum, someone sitting there going boop 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 boop, and it's like, oh good, the serum's now complete. It's like that, that's not what computers do. That's not how they work. Yeah. What program are you using? <laughs> what, what program in the year 2000 are you using to do this? And then what, what, video networking, <laughs> and what video networking software are you on? It's like AOL chat. Oh, Christ. But yes, you're quite right. He makes a crystal clear video call to Elizabeth Shue. She's in bed with some bloke. We don't see it. And he says, oh, I've cracked the serum, you know, and we need to get to the lab ASAP to, to do a test. Then it turns out the bloke she's in bed with is Josh Brolin. I forgot Josh Brolin was in yeah, this movie. Yeah, I forgot Josh Brolin was in this film until I saw the credits. I was like, oh, fuck, Josh Brolin. <laughs> yeah. The first film I recall seeing him in was uh, Planet Terror, but there you go. It turns out he was no, in, he was in the Goonies. Well, yeah, but as an adult. Oh, as an, as an adult, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah no, yeah. Mimic. He's in Mimic as well, which came out roughly around about the same time. Uh, that's one we're going to have to Jeremy cover. Jeremy Northam sidekick him. Oh, no, let's not. Um, <laughs> that's the point so, of this podcast, Smith. We don't cover stuff that's awesome. We cover stuff that's questionable. What I, what I would say is that of, of the, the main cast in this, uh, Josh Brolin is wildly miscast. <laughs> I'd say everyone's as, miscast, but we're going to as a sci- As a scientist, I mean, all they've done is put glasses on him. <laughs> Look, he's a scientist now. Yes, this he's sexy man has got him. glasses on, and now he's a scientist. This buff dude <laughs> with <laughs> glasses on. Yeah. So he's all like, oh, man, I'm sick of sneaking around and all that sort of thing. Because it turns out Elizabeth Shue and Kevin Bacon used to be in a relationship. They're not anymore, but they still work together, whatever. Um, so, yeah, we then cut to the lab where they've assembled all the team. Uh, Josh Brolin is trying to calm the gorilla down, the one that took the big chunk out of the rat, Isabel, and gets bitten in the process. Then Bacon comes to save the day. And they have this really childish bit where they put thermal goggles on uh, with tranquilizer guns to try and track down Isabel, who's run out of the cage and they need to subdue Isabel so they can bring her back. So Josh Brolin, when he's dealing with a an enraged gorilla in a cage, an enraged gorilla that he cannot see, his answer to sedating it is to open the door, which is not locked, hmm. walk in to a cage with a gorilla and try to manually inject it with a syringe. Yeah, keep it in mind... It- Viciously murdered a rat not long ago, and they could probably see the evidence. And a, but... and a gorilla could pull your arm off without even thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I read that story about that orangutan or whatever it was that ripped off that woman's face, which is then in that film, Nope. But anyway, that yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that another day. They're yes, also so... in, the, in their lab, which is very far underground, with only one point of entrance. This will become important later. I mean, yes. this is all set up. This is not set up as a realistic lab. This is set up as somewhere that you can turn into a haunted house later in the film. Um, yeah. And and he's there with his his big leather jacket and his floppy hair, and he's driving his car really fast. I mean, you know that he is proper cool. Yeah, proper, proper. Pro- and then pro- he can... proper cool dude. <laughs> and then Kevin Bacon turns up. He talks to the one security guard on the door. One, <laughs> one security, guard. security guard. This is a Pentagon funded lab making serum to make soldiers invisible. And there's one bloke on security <laughs> pressing a little button that makes a lever go like that. Okay. Yeah, why? <laughs> proper top secret that is. Anyway, so Bacon comes in. They have a little chase with Isabel, and Bacon manages to subdue Isabel, and apparently owes, or Josh Brolin owes him 
10 bucks for doing that. He's like, I'll put it on my tab. I was like, the dialogue's horrendous in this movie already. The dialogue is horrendous, right? They are not written like scientists. Not a single one of them is convincingly written as a scientist. No. They are all idiots, and they are all very horny all the time. Yeah, I don't know that this film should be called uh, Horny Man rather than Holy Man. <laughs> but yes, every single character in this movie is a pervert, but we'll come to yeah. that later. We'll come to that. Right. So, anyway, they managed to strap Isabel down. They oh, you for- Sorry. There's Sorry. one bit I wanted to mention here. You, you, you're introduced at this point to Kim Dickens, uh, who plays the vet that yes. works as part of the team, uh, who is incomprehensibly angry with them while she's a vet working in a facility which is doing animal testing. It is though she does not know where she works. Yeah, like, she also, yeah, you all assholes for doing this, so why are you here? Like, yeah, you, you work here. And she's yeah. also, when she walks off, goes, yes, sir. And he says, why are you the only person who makes fuck, yes, sir, sound like fuck you? I'm like, do not steal dialogue from better films. Well, where was that, that was, from? Because I thought that's that from the enough. fog. Ah, uh, yes. Jamie Lee Curtis says it to um, Tom Atkins. No, 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 no. Her mum, Janet Lee. Yes, yes, yes. Says yes, it yes. to Janet Lee. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we digress. So yes, you're quite right. So we have um, Kim Dickens, who is Sarah, who's the mm-hmm. uh, vet, and then we're introduced also to Frank, who is a lab technician. Also introduced to Carter, who I'm not quite sure what he was. Probably another lab technician. Another pervert. Uh, another pervert. <laughs> and um, another lab technician is Janice. And was there anybody else in part of that team? No. And then we've already mentioned Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Shue. So anyway, yeah. yes, they managed to strap down Isabel. Bit of struggling, but they inject the serum in and Isabel comes back. And it's all a great success. Like, oh, wonderful. Yeah, you lovely. Great. The serum works. Good. However... They go out to dinner that night to celebrate, and Kevin Bacon's not, you know, satisfied with the results. He's like, oh, no, we need to go further, and blah, 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 blah. And it's this point you realise he still has feelings for Elizabeth Shue and tries to have a very awkward kiss with her outside, and she, you know, says, no, leave me alone, type thing. So I'm like, mm, this is setting the precedent of stuff to come. So then I believe it's the scene with the in the Pentagon when they're talking about the results so far. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's got that weird zoom crash into the building. I know that. This, oh, no, this really isn't a Paul weird, Verhoeven thing. Really weird camera shot which just zooms into the front of the building for no reason as though it's trying to be exciting when it is just a shot of an outside of a building. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is odd. But it was apparently filmed there so it's not stock footage. So I don't know whether they were just trying to make it very obvious. Yes, it was filmed here. You know, but... <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we get into the Pentagon and there is a meeting with, uh, I forget the chap's name. What's his name? William How? Devane. Yeah, William Devane is the actor who was in, who was in um, Marathon Man. Oh, William yes. Devane, and yes, Rolling yes. Thunder. That's right. Um, oh, no, it's Kramer. That's his name. The character's name is Kramer. So they're presenting all their evidence to Kramer. And instead of saying, oh, yes, we brought Isabel back. Bacon blatantly lies and says, no, it's not quite working yet. Oh, we still need some time to the aghast of... Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Shue, and he's basically like, if you don't get results soon, I'll find myself another Kevin Bacon. I was like, okay. And then... There's only one Kevin Bacon. There is, indeed. Well, it's Matt Dillon. He's quite similar. But (laughs) Yeah, and also, I always thought Christian Slater looked a bit like Kevin Bacon, and Christian Slater's in Hollow Man 2. He is in Hollow Man 2, a film I've never seen. And we will not be covering. We will not be covering that. I don't haven't seen it. I don't want to see it. Anyway. No. (laughs) The straight-to-DVD sequel to this dumpster fire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Something I want to watch. (laughs) It's if this film couldn't get much worse, they did a straight to DVD uh, follow up. But anyway, so we get outside uh, the Pentagon. They're all like, "What the hell? What was all that about?" And Bacon basically says, "You know, if we tell them the progress they make, they're just going to take us off the project. We need to go to phase three, which is making a human invisible and bringing them back." And of course, he wants to be the test subject. 
So yeah, that's the next stage. And then fast forward back to the lab. Ninety percent of this movie takes place in the lab, which is quite dull. It reminded me a lot. Do you remember that shitty Fantastic Four movie? It's basically just in a lab the whole time. Oh, the Josh Trank one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, this is because this film, the, over half of the budget from this film went on the special effects. Yeah, which are crap. I, I would say, well, no, no. So I would defend the special effects in this. Some of them, some of them are a bit ropey now, but for two thousand era special effects, it's pretty good. And some of the Invisible Man stuff really holds up. Like it looks really good. Mm, if for, you say so, for a film of that era. But anyway, we'll, we'll come into that later. We'll come we into that. So Bacon's called a meeting and basically says, you know, uh, we've got the go ahead to make. A human invisible and i want to be the first person to do it and of course sarah the kim dickens character said no oh, hang on how have you managed to do that that's impossible blah 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 and he's like well you know i've done it and that's shut what up I'm kim do. dickens <laughs> yeah shut up so fast forward straight away oh then we i think after that then we cut to a scene where josh brolin and elizabeth shoe are in bed and with some really horrible dialogue and like some like oh who's gonna go on top first well no, no did we really need this and then that's when yeah. they just Discussing Kevin Bacon's ego and this sort of thing. 80% of the film takes place in the lab. Another 10% takes place in their bedroom. Or somebody else's. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Then there's been a discussion about, oh, God, he's such an egomaniac and wants to play God, all this sort of rubbish. And then, yeah, there we go. So the next scene, if I'm not mistaken, is when they're actually prepping Bacon to go invisible. You've, you've you've forgotten the the exceptionally strange um, invisible man joke that he. Tells. I was going to come to that, Smith. Hold ah, on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Bacon's in his robe. He walks along and he tells a, a very naughty joke about the invisible man and oh, I've given the twist away. The Superman and Wonder Woman, and it's basically a joke about fucking the invisible man in the ass. I'm like, Ugh. okay. And it is it's a twelve year old's t- joke. It is a, the joke of a twelve year old boy. Yes, I remember being told that by a forty something year old man. <laughs> oh, well, I heard it at school. Wish the teacher hadn't told me that. But anyway, so <laughs> so he makes this joke about rape, which isn't funny, and then that's foreshadowing what's going to happen later. So I mean, there's been lots of foreshadowing, <laughs> plenty. So we get into uh, the lab where he's going to, well, the the operating room, I guess, where he's going to be made invisible, and this is when we get the first naked shot of Kevin Bacon, which I could have really done without. So we get a full view of Just his ass. Though tasteful ass at this point, it's going to get worse. Just at this point, it's going to get. Thoroughly worse. So, <laughs> see Bacon's ass. He gets on the bed. They strap him down. Start injecting the serum in him. It's not quite working at first. And then suddenly it does start working. He starts thriving around. That's when you get a little shot of bacon penis, which I could have really done without. <laughs> you do. You get just a little tiny bit of the tasteful tip. Yeah, just, just in tip. between his legs or whatever. They thought they'd covered it. It's like, no, no. Oh, I see it. I see it. Look, I mean, there's bits just before, there's just bits before that where he's, sitting, he's naked on the bed and you've got Elizabeth Shue standing in front of him like an Austin Powers. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> Someone's like, what could you just put in front of his dick? <laughs> But no, no, he squirms in the bed. You get a little glimpse of it. Like, okay. And then he starts becoming... A little glimpse of it. Then he becomes invisible. And then you see, oh, kind of partially invisible dick. You're like, okay, whatever. And then slowly, slowly starts disappearing until there is nothing left. The experiment was a success. He was made invisible. So that's him out there, for a little bit. There are bits during that when they're, they're just throwing around science mumbo jumbo. So the script is either people talking like they're not scientists or throwing around stuff like I've, I've written some of this down. It's like cellular, it's this cellular quantum reading and he's going into bioelectric shock. I'm like, that's just that's just bollocks. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like in Star Trek they used to say all that shit that didn't really mean anything, you know? It's just a bit like, yeah. like oh, cool, smart scientist. His quantum electro-signatures are in stasis. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's absolutely nonsense. Why did you say he's um, going to cardiac arrest? He's having a heart attack. 
yeah. Also, I did note when they when they take the the serum out of the out of the centrifuge before they apply it to him, they say, "Oh, it's irradiated." Is that like, you're probably just going to give him radiation sickness? <laughs> He's not going to go invisible. You're just going to give him cancer. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a whole different film. It'd be awful. But yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so. Bacon becomes invisible, and he's out of it for the next 17 hours or so. Don't believe there's anything in between that, apart from a little bit of talking between the characters. Uh, then Bacon comes to, and he's like, oh, God, I can't see. He's like, oh, that's because your eyelids are invisible. I'm like, no, hang on a minute. Like, th- there's so many like conflicting things here. Like, he- his eyelids are invisible, but we can't see food going into him. Also, when he's sick later on, we, we see invisible sick coming out. So I'm-, I'm getting so confused about what's invisible, what's not invisible. Well, there's, there's two issues here, right? So what, even if your eyes, if, if you could see if you were invisible and the way that eyes work, where you have light refracting off your lens, if your lens were invisible, there'd be nothing for the light to refract off. So you wouldn't be able to see. You'd be completely blind. Yeah. Um, if you were and you were able to see, why would the lights be affecting him so much? I'm looking at lights now. The lights wouldn't get any brighter if my eyelids were invisible. Blinking doesn't shield your eyes from light. It just creates moisture. That's not how biology works. No, I don't exactly. understand. I don't understand any of that. It makes no sense. No sense. And also, also no one just... cared about the dogs. <laughs> no, exactly. Are they going to sleep? No, no, no. But also, why did they just give Bacon? I don't know an eye patch to sleep with, like when you're on a plane or some shit. I don't know. Well, they just come through the back of his head. Then you'd have to have like a whole wrap around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, so eventually Bacon wakes up. Says, oh, my eyes, whatever. And then we get a little bit of him unplugging himself and be like, ooh. And playing pranks on people or where is he another shot of his another shot of his dick just this time in in heat mode yeah heat mode dick yeah it comes in and hugs him bacon sausage sausage. yeah comes in hugs them all entirely inappropriate but yeah so he's not got magic he's just being a bit mischievous at the moment it's like okay cool soon goes off there's 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 an undercurrent even with the mischievousness he's getting his he's basically standing there naked i mean this is another point right so they were using this i assume from the pentagon as a way to develop invisible soldiers. Yeah, that was my understanding. Invisible soldiers who'd have to be running around in the nud. <laughs> Just their yeah. cops flapping in the wind. Not carrying a gun because you'd see the gun bouncing along. So you're asking soldiers to run into battle with no weapons and completely fucking naked. That's true, actually. You would think a more sensible thing, which is a bit like in the Lee Wanner one, which we'll discuss separately, and he's a far superior film, I might add. That far was a superior. suit. That was a suit yeah. that they developed. That would make more sense for the military to be developing an invisible suit rather than yeah, you're right. Naked soldiers running. What if they got sent to someone like the Arctic or whatever to have yeah. a battle or something? But yeah. <laughs> Get frostbite on your dick. That's right. But anyway, so uh, yeah, and also this film presents like, oh, it's a man's slow journey and descent into madness. No, he's pretty nope. much a shit from the word go. Like already from the opening scene, we see him lusting over his neighbour across from the way. So we're like, so this no, is- I'm not buying that. So this is the point I was I was talking with 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 my other half Hannah about when we were watching it, and um, she didn't find parts of it as objectionable as I did, but purely because she believed that Kevin Bacon was set up to be a villain from the very first scene. Mm-hmm. That's from the very first scene where he's peering at his neighbor through the window that he is he is a villain, and I think yes, if you looked at it through modern eyes, from the very first scene, he's a creepy weirdo. That there's big kind of bang of incel vibes coming off him, right? You know, yeah. he he can't, oh, Elizabeth Shue left him for another man and he doesn't like it. Oh, no one understands him. He wears a leather coat. <laughs> big dirty incel. Um, yeah. However, it being written in 2000, I don't think that was the intention. Yeah. I think all of that early stuff is meant to be played for 
you know, wouldn't you do this? And I think that is most personified in the character of Carter, Greg Grunberg, um, when he's just sitting in the office later. And I know we'll get to it later, but when he's sitting in the office later, just reading a porno mag. Yeah, that really what you've got there me. is a toxic work environment where this kind of behavior is normalized and it's not villainized. So I don't think he's meant to be a villain. I think up until this point, you're meant to think he's a pretty cool dude. You know, I, I could, I, you know, I get on board with this guy. You know, I'm a 15 year old boy. I'm watching this film. Yeah, cool. That's how everybody behaves. Um, as a 38 year old man watching it, it's absolutely disturbing and, and, and shows him up to be a villain. I also think if you look at the, the writer, his name was a guy called Andrew Marlowe. He only had two other film credits to his name at this point, neither of which are the picture of subtlety. Uh, Air Force One and End of Days. I like those films. But they're not subtle. No. They do not have subtle character arcs where people grow and learn anything. Yeah, at least they don't have like tits and dicks in every scene, but yeah. No, that's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, we... so, yeah, sorry. I digress. We digress. We digress. So anyway, so Bacon's come to, he's all like, oh, you know, I'm invisible. This is kind of fun. He's playing little pranks, like moving cans of Coke, product placement, I might add. Uh, and then this <laughs> is when they... want my product anywhere near this film. No, no way. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, this is when they tell Bacon, oh, there's always going to be someone on security watching you. And if you need help, and we're only 30 minutes away, if you ever get into trouble or whatever. And the first person who's on first watch is Sarah, the one he's been arguing with this whole time about animals. Within five seconds of her sitting down, she falls asleep. But like, aren't you guys supposed to be on night watch? Yeah, this is the first example of this film because this happens three times in this film. Yes. Someone on the night shift falls asleep. Yes. This film doesn't understand what a night shift is. A night shift isn't you work all day and then you stay all night. It is you only work the night. <laughs> they seem to think that a night shift is someone just falling asleep in an office. Exactly. So... Sarah is sitting there at the table. She falls asleep, and we come to another disgusting scene where Bacon basically pulls her tit out and starts molesting it. And then she comes to, like, oh, what's going on? And then he quickly runs back in the bed. And then she's all startled, like, what the hell's going on? So, I mean, he went from turning invisible to full-on sexual assault in yes. about five seconds flat. Yeah, and I think this is the problem with that movie. A, all this shit is really wrong anyway, but B, there's just no development. It's just, oh, I'm quite evil. Now I'm super evil, you know, like immediately. Like, I don't think it's him going mad. Like, at no point do they say, oh, he's going mad with, with, with being invisible. It's just like, oh, he's a dick. And they all know he's a dick. They're all worried about it. Like, the minute they can't see him, both Kim Dickens' character and Janice uh, are both like, oh, no. Oh, no, I don't trust him. He's creepy. I don't like him being around here. Exactly, yeah. And then the next day... Sarah says to to Josh Brolin and to Elizabeth Shue, oh, I think he attacked me last night, whatever. But when I approached him about it, he said he was just getting a cup of coffee and whatever. And then the next scene we get, we get um, Janice, who then goes to the toilet. And I might add, the toilet has got urinals in it, but no cubicle. So there is a sit-down toilet for you to do number twos and urinals. And I might... Okay, there's a lock on the door. Then what's the point of having three urinals in there? Might this be a European, beyond Might be a European thing. Um, because what toilets Europeans... do you go to in Europe? Well, no, I was. <laughs> I mean, this is the Pentagon, right? Who knows, America? Yeah. But when I was in, um, I was in Romania fairly recently. Their male toilets all have a sit-down toilet and a urinal in the same area without a door between them. So I think the idea being you only use the urinal. If you're doing a number one, you don't have to flush the toilet. You just go there. So that might be what they're doing. Uh, I mean, she still feels the need with someone that, that she's not 
seen this creepy behavior with before. She still feels the need to take the infrared goggles with her just in case he's around. So they must know that he's a dirty pervert. And also, I mean, maybe it's later on in the film. I don't know why they don't just keep the thermal goggles on all the time. Well, they know, just, right, they've set them up. They just keep taking them off. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so Janice is a bit freaked out. Uh, we get a shot of her taking a trouser down having a piss. What could have done without that? But that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. And then we cut if to... If you're a woman her. in this film, you're getting some form of naked at some point during it, right? Exactly. I, I do wonder if someone other than Paul Verhoeven had directed this, we might have got an entirely different film. But anyway. <laughs> so... We then cut to them having a bit of a discussion about, oh, you know, don't feel safe. Like, what if he went mad with the power? Or are you talking about us? Are you talking about him? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't think anything of significance happens for a little while until it's time to bring Bacon back uh, from being invisible. So I think we get another scene where he being really inappropriate with Elizabeth Shue, like, oh, it's my last night. And haven't you ever wanted to make love to a ghost? He goes, oh, well, yeah, I have done before. All that sort of thing. So uh, terrible great, dialogue. Great, great dialogue there. Great cracking stuff. Yeah. So anyway, it's time to bring Bacon back. And it doesn't work. And, you know, violently fighting everyone, going into panic mode, almost having a heart attack. And the serum was a disaster. So it only works for animals. It doesn't work for humans. They never quite explain why that. But you're just made to believe, okay, well, it just didn't. It just didn't work. They need to keep trying. Something to do with electrostasis. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? But effectively, that means Bacon um, is stuck as as this invisible man for now. So he's pretty pissed off about it. So they're like, okay, well, let's make the best out of a bad situation. Let's give you a latex mask. So give him a latex mask and some clothes and all that sort of thing. And actually, I've seen the making of that. Bacon was actually there when they were doing that. It's just they put um, metal tabs over his eyes as they were cutting yeah. the, the whole holes out. Because my first thought was, what if they fucked that up and stabbed him in the eye? But yeah, well, that was pretty cool. But it's it's interesting as well that um, he was actually used for all the scenes and they, they digitally erased him. Whereas initially they thought, oh, they would just do the scenes when he's there. And when he's the Invisible Man, they won't use him. They'll just use CGI. And apparently the performances were so shitty. They were like, oh, no, no, we're going to have to use him and just erase him out, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And you, you're being paid to do a job. You, you need to turn up every day. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, yeah. So, Bacon's getting all pissed off about this. And then this is when Josh Brolin's trying to work on getting that coding right again. And he's not quite getting it right. He's getting all frustrated. And apparently only gets to like 95%, whatever that means. And then, and then he goes, damn it. Which he does like three times <laughs> in the film. Every time he gets something wrong. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. <laughs> oh, dear. But... Um, yeah, so they can't quite get the coding right. Bacon's throwing up invisible puke, which we kind of spoke about earlier, which doesn't make any sense. Um, and then he's had to the point, oh, I've had enough of this. I need to go out, get some fresh air, whatever. Just get some shit for my flat to, to feel a bit normal. And this is the scene you alluded to next. So next, Carter is on the night shift and sitting there reading a pool mag in the middle of the lab. You know, this is a totally normal thing to do, apparently. And it's, it's not even like he's reading Zoo or Nuts or FHA. No, no, it's full on porn he's reading. <laughs> It's perfectly normal. Perfectly normal thing to do. Um, I do it around the office all the time. <laughs> oh, really? No, I don't. I don't. I must, I, must, I must caveat that I absolutely do not do that. <laughs> retract that statement immediately. I retract that statement immediately. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. So anyway, so Bacon's like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm going out. Carter makes a very feeble attempt to try and stop him from going. It's too late. Uh, the elevator door is shut. Carter panics and then get in the elevator with him doesn't even think about doing that exactly and the other thing I'm going to come to it a bit later as well why didn't they just revoke Bacon's elevator access 
And also, why didn't they just lock him in his room? I mean, I know initially they're like, well, okay, he's not so much of a danger. But once he's had that molesting Sarah scandal, why did they just think, yeah, this guy's a bit of a hazard. We're just going to keep him in that room now. And also, <laughs> when they were trying to bring him back and he's punching everyone, he's clearly a danger. Why don't just lock him in his yeah. room, revoke his elevator access and everything? Look, I think, for, you know, any scientists who are watching this or listening to this that may in the future decide they're going to try and turn people invisible, just double check the first person you do to first isn't a sex pest. Exactly. That that would just make life easier for everyone. So Bacon gets out of the lab, he's in his car, and this bit was hilarious. He manages to, again, walk past that one security guard, Ed, who doesn't notice that he's wearing a mask. He's like, oh, hey, Ed, like that. You know, doesn't notice that anything's funny or anything, doesn't ask to see a security pass, nothing. Hasn't come out of the lab in three days. <laughs> yeah, who replaces Ed? When does Ed ever go home? It's always Ed. He's right there at the end as well. Yeah, and I wondered as well, we'll get to the end, like, did, did, did Ed die? No, no, he's at the end. He, yeah, oh, I okay. think him at the end. Yeah, yeah I think okay. him at the end. Cool. So Bacon gets in his nice flash car, drives off. Uh, then we get a bit of Listen a comic some skunk and Nancy. Of course, because why wouldn't you? It's the year 2000. Yeah. And then gets some traffic lights, some little shit kids in the car next. They're like pulling faces at him or whatever. So he does a comedy thing, lift up his glasses and mouth to scare him. And yeah. And it's- the only fun he has being an invisible man. It's the only bit where he looks like he's enjoyed himself. Exactly. The rest of it, he's just doing very, very, very bad things, which comes to next. Mm. So... Bacon arrives back at his apartment and seemingly at first just wants to grab some CDs, some books, have a Twinkie, or that sort of thing. And then, would you know it, he happens to notice his neighbours once again come home, started changing with all the lights on, with all the windows open. And instead of being a normal human being and going, okay, and then just going out, he decides, I'm going to go over there and do bad well, things. before he does that, he says the word to, he says the words, don't even think about it. Is that... Well, you're clearly thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yes, normal carry people on. Don't have to, normal people don't have to say that. <laughs> normal people don't see someone undressing and go, oh, don't even think about it. They say, oh, God, oh, sorry. Oh, geez, oh, oh, my. oh no, oh, we'd, yeah. be, we'd be terribly <laughs> British about it. Oh, I'm so sorry, it's my fault. You know? <laughs> but yeah, no, so Bacon decides to strip off completely nude, uh, not lock his door, I might add. And also, when doors shut in America apartments in Washington, apparently they don't just auto lock. You can just walk into someone's door. In which case, why didn't he just go into that woman's door anyway? But anyway, so anyway, Elizabeth Shue is driving over to Bacon's house at the, or flat. At the same time, Bacon's gone over to that woman's apartment, knocks on the door, does it a few times. Eventually, she opens the door. He pushes his way in. And then toys with her a bit, like moving the mirror and all that sort of thing. Then now... The version you and I have seen, there is an implied mm-hmm. rape scene. Okay, you see him shove her to the bed, and it cuts away. And part of me is thinking, "Oh, Heavily thank Christ!" Implied. I was like, yeah. "I don't want to see that." Thank Christ, right? There is a deleted scene and a director's cut where you actually see it. I'm like, "Oh," I was like, "And if we're going down what we said earlier about his slow descent into madness or whatever, which is bullshit," I might add. But it, you know, then the implied thing was, "Oh, maybe he did just want to scare her and just got out of there thinking it was funny," right? But the director's cut and deleted scene show, no, 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 he raped her. So he's already yeah. gone to full-scale psychopath immediately. I, I, I don't think the version, the, the regular version that we that we watched, um, even yeah, doesn't leave any ambiguity, right? It, there's no way you come away from that scene thinking, oh, maybe he just frightened her. You don't. You think... No, he raped her. He definitely raped her. Um, I mean, this is the kind of the leering Paul Verhoeven, right? So you get two Paul Verhoevens. You get the Paul Verhoeven who does great action films like Robocop, yeah. and Total Recall... Uh, you then get the leering showgirls, Paul Verhoeven, mm. who felt the need in this to have her brushing her hair in front of the mirror with her top off just because he could. Um, 
Exactly. It's 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 you know it's one of those things you watch now that you just kind of you, you kind of just tighten up when you're watching it. You're like this just feels gratuitous. It feels unnecessary. It feels leering. Exactly. You know, it's not. There's no. There's no value to this beyond no. the male gaze. Right. That's that's exactly. all it is. And what annoyed me as well, whether it's implied, it's not implied, whatever, there's no repercussion. There's no follow-up. It's not like we then get that woman go to the police and the police come knocking at the lab and go, what the fuck, or anything like that. It's just it's just there for the sake of it. And I'm like, oh, it's horrible. In the main version we watched, you don't even know what happens to her. Exactly. You don't even know. Like, it's, I always assumed he killed her as well. Like, there's always been my takeaway. Now, if you watch the deleted scene, he doesn't. She is alive at the end of it, at least. But also, mm. she doesn't get a name. Her character name is just Neighbour. Yeah. Awful. No, no name. No, not a line of dialogue. Nothing. Imagine auditioning for that role. Oh, we've got this role for you. This big Hollywood blockbuster. What is it? Well, you have to. You, you know. Oh, did you know, did just... you know who that was as well? Right. That's that's Rona Mitra, who an English was model, wasn't the, she? Yeah, she was the human face of Lara Croft at the time. Oh, wasn't no. that? We had Neil McAndrew at one point and mm-hmm. other people. Yeah, and... this was around about Tomb Raider two. Oh, okay. I did not know she that. In the face. Yeah. There you go. Well, there you go. So anyway, um, while this is going on, Elizabeth Shue goes into Bacon's apartment. She sees that he's taken his mask and clothes off and not, you know, put it away somewhere. He's just left it out for, you know, plot narrative devices, whatever. And she's like, oh, my God, he could be anywhere, blah, blah, blah. They go back. She goes back to the lab and starts panicking with everyone. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then Bacon just shows up. Now, this is my problem with the film as well. If he was going so stir crazy in the lab, why did he bother even coming back? He's just escaped. Why not just... And if he really enjoyed doing that horrible thing he just did, why doesn't he just carry on doing horrible things in the neighbourhood, like robbing people and beating people up and, you know, stealing money and all You know what I mean? Like, it seems really odd why he came back. All he does before he devolves into full-on murder is sexually assault people and mess with homeless men. That's that's his... And murders Kramer. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 what I mean, before he murders people. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, he comes back. They're like, "What'd you go out for?" We went, "Oh, I needed to get some supplies." Blah blah blah. And like, oh, if you do that again, we're gonna go straight to the board and tell them what you're doing. He's like, oh, go ahead, you'll lose your job type thing, which is a fair point. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but you're doing really dangerous, weird shit. Like, so maybe they should just tell the board what he's doing. This is then where he has that scene with Carter, where Carter asks oh. him. What, what, what did you do? And he was like, oh, I maybe frightened a girl a little bit. And Carter's like, yeah, that's what I would have done. It's like, right, so this is how I know that he wasn't written as a bad character because Carter is not written as a villain. And yet he is just as abhorrent and just as terrible yeah. as Kevin Bacon. They're basically suggesting that all men, if you were to turn invisible, would immediately just start going around being a pervert. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of Paul Verhoeven's message, like to grown men, not little kids. Like when we went and watched it, like actual adults, wouldn't you do this? No. No. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Oh, God. But yeah, so yeah, you're quite right. So we had that scene earlier with Carter looking at tits in a magazine, and then we have <laughs> been lads, lads, lads talking about this sort of thing. I'm like, no, no. Also, the other thing that bothered me about that scene, how did that fly get down there? Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty drum tight um, yeah. lab. Yeah, yeah, that bothered me. Anyway, so wait, what the hell happens after this? So after that, I think they're keeping a he's closer made... eye on him and they, he's getting fed up of being watched all the time. So that's when he messes with a security camera. Yeah. So Frank falls asleep on the night shift. Second example of someone falling asleep uh, exactly. on the night shift. Yep. That's um, right. He kills a dog. No, that's later. You're, you're jumping Is that in. later? You're jumping, oh, in. jumping yeah, in. So, okay. Yeah. So no, Frank, quite right, falls asleep and then Bacon says some sort of bullshit about, oh, can I leave my room for a second? And when Frank falls asleep, he takes out some sort of microchip and then does a... St- 
a speed looping up the footage, which made no sense because at least in speed, they filmed about two minutes of footage and then looped this. This makes no fucking sense. He gets like two leads and just puts it onto some chipboard and that suddenly projects an image of him sleeping all the time. As we have been told multiple times, he's a genius scientist. There's no evidence of this at any point during the film, but he's a genius scientist. And you know, because right at the beginning, when he says, I'm a goddamn genius. Indeed. So once he's done that, he thinks, oh, I'll pop out again. Right. So he does that. And then this time, like you said, he decides to mess with that homeless man. And then as a look through Elizabeth Shue's window, for reasons, and then Josh Brolin comes in and immediately, no, oh, how you doing? Fancy cup of tea, whatever. No, they just get straight at it. Straight at it. <laughs> Off come the trousers <laughs> and the top and all that sort of thing. I'm like, why is everyone a fucking pervert in this film? I really don't understand it. Just control yourselves. Anyway, so <laughs> Bacon gets well annoyed, throws something through the window, and that's when they're like, oh, something's up. Um, so, yeah, so they, they're getting all frightened, and that's when Bacon comes home, starts getting all annoyed. And the dog, who he was petting earlier, I might add, earlier on the film, is barking ferociously, and then he goes over and decides to murder the dog. Now, in the director's cut, it's actually more explicit how he murders the dog. He wallops it about three times against the wall, but in this one, he just whacks it once and kills the dog. So I am, um, this is interesting, and just kind of kind of going back a little bit, but kind of the point where you, you're completely, you're completely lost. I, mean, I, I hate people hurting dogs, right? Normally, yeah. any any film villain that hurts a dog, that's the point where I'm, I'm, you know, that's where I stop enjoying their villainry. I stopped enjoying his a long time ago. So there was an interview with yeah. Paul Verhoeven where he was talking about it. Now, Paul Verhoeven does not like this film. No. Um, he doesn't like this film at all. Uh, but one of the things he was saying is, you know, and again, it goes back to why I don't think he was written as a villain. He's like, oh, you know, he's you're following him. He's your main character. And at what point do you lose sympathy for him? At what point do you lose? Do the audience stop going with him? And to his mind, it's when he rapes his neighbor. And I was like, no, long before then, long, right. long before then. He's a he's a dirty weirdo incel pervert from like minute one. Yeah, but exactly. Paul also said other people continue after that. And it's not until this point when he kills the dog that people sort of fully turn on him. And it's like, sorry, what? Who's watching this film? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, who, which audience members watching him sexually assault his neighbour and go, yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm sympathising. I, I mean, were people of a weird mindset in the year two thousand or something? Because even I, as a fifteen year old kid, thought, no, this guy's really wrong with some of the stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, yeah. So anyway, so then. Rolin and Shu come back to the lab, and then this is when Sarah goes, he killed a dog. I was like, how do you know that? And he's invisible. invisible you. <laughs> but then there's a deleted scene that shows that, and then she confronts Bacon about it, and he says, oh, oh what proof have you got, and all that sort of thing. So the security cameras, they'd be able to see that, but anyway, whatever. So at this point, this is when um, Elizabeth Shu works out, hanging on, like, he's done something to the security camera. And they check, and yet, turns out, he's been fucking with it, and also, he's disappeared again. So, they're like, right, that's it, we're going to make good on our promise, we're going to go speak to Kramer, and tell him exactly what's happened. And predictably, Kramer's is like, yep, you're fired, fuck off. He takes it very well. He takes it very well, like, he's not angry, he's just like, oh, I'm just disappointed. (laughs) He's just like a disappointed (laughs) uncle, he's like, well, obviously you're fired. Um, Stop your dad catching just smoking or something. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. just have to wake up a couple of generals. (laughs) Yeah, and just sort of spoke with a pipe. I think he smoke <laughs> pipes these days. But yeah, so then yeah. the second scene that Kramer's in, I feel like he was criminally underutilised in this movie. It's like, you could have had him in a few more scenes or whatever. And it's a weird one. This film's nearly two hours long, but I feel like not a lot really happens. You know, no. it's just a lot of perviness and not a lot else, really. I know they save a large part of it for the big action scene at the end. Um, anyway, 
So Kramer's going to phone the generals and tell them what's happened. Phone's been cut. Oh. And then <laughs> decides to go outside to smoke his pipe. And then... Which he's... he was just smoking in the house, right? It's not like he <laughs> yeah. outside. <laughs> Unless his wife was like, oh, Kramer. I'm oh, sorry. I went outside. <laughs> and then we get a very cool bit. I actually did like when Bacon appears through the smoke. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. I like that. And then throws him in the pool and drowns him. Now, my problem with this, as cool as that action scene was, why not just do something like put something in his whiskey and just let him die naturally why do something obviously security guards are going to see he's having a bit of a struggle it's like no one believes a fully clothed man just fell into the pool and drowned for no reason <laughs> like, launched himself into the pool yeah. he's watching <laughs> also un- underwater another another good example of kevin bacon dick <laughs> just oh yeah dick. yep that's another yep. one that's that's another dick. yeah um it's like you're playing dick bingo in this game this, <laughs> this film with with bacon but yeah <laughs> whack a dick yeah it's um <laughs> um this, yeah this is the point where, for some reason, the serum appears to have given him superhuman strength and yes. the ability to also breathe underwater without drowning. Because he's under there quite some time, and he doesn't drown. Also, no, yeah. when he gets out of the pool, it's really cool. Again, the effects, and I know you're not as, as big on them as I am. Um, the effect when he gets out of the water, and he's kind of the water's coming off him, and he's he's it's slowly coming off as he runs into the dock. He'd be absolutely caked in shit. Like his feet, you'd be able to see him coming because the bottom of his feet would be yep. jet black. Exactly, exactly, but. I did think it was cool how they did all these shots. Like I've seen the making of, and he wore various different suits, whether he was in water or whether mm. he was um, in different fire. Colors. Different colours, yeah, exactly. And when he's meant to be invisible, as it's all very, very cool. Like, completely yeah. invisible. Anyway, so, kills Kramer. Uh, the team are back at the lab again. They're like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'm surprised we've not heard anything yet. Uh, they decide to call someone. And then they say, oh, Kramer's dead. <gasps> Kramer's dead. Oh, no. Oh, um, Kramer. <laughs> there's a frank photo of him. <laughs> um, and I'm, unless I'm missing a bit out, then then I believe Bacon arrives. And then they're all a bit shifty around him. Like, oh, OK, OK, OK. And at this point, this is when he's now disabled the phones. And yeah. he's revoked all of their elevator access apart from him. Yeah. So now we're into the final showdown. This is probably, for me, the most exciting, inverted commas, part of the movie because yeah. we've just had a whole lot of perviness and nothingness for, for a long time and now we're going to get it, some action scenes. It turns into it turns into to Alien at this point. Yes, um, basically. Using the, they were using the... And I think I got it wrong earlier. I, don't, I think it was the, the overhead sensors were the things they were using to track the rats when they were invisible beforehand. Mm. It's the things that they said the thermals couldn't pick up. So they started oh, using the right. overhead sensors to track him, which is just like Alien. Yeah. Uh, you get the scientists you know, running around with guns and goggles going, cover me. It's like, you are scientists. <laughs> yeah, and also, I'm but sure those not... guns only have one tranquilizer at a time. You don't put a magazine of tranquilizers in. <laughs> but... But yeah, also, um, just why don't they keep the fucking goggles on? At this point in the movie, everyone just wear your goggles and then blast, oh. turn the heat off as well. Just ugh. turn the heat off, put your goggles on and don't immediately split up at every given oh, opportunity God. you might possibly have. Yeah. So at this point, even though it's probably the most exciting part of the film, it's so frustrating. So they all like, right, OK, we need to take him down. Uh, oh, no, no. At that point, that's when they talk to him on the intercom and he's basically saying, no, can't let you leave. By the way, you're all fucked. Kramer's the only one who knew about all this. He's now dead. You're not getting out of here. You know, and it's amazing what you can do. You don't have to look yourself in the mirror. So they're like, oh, shit. Now we need to take him. Bless people, apparently. That's, yeah. all, that's, that's about the scope of his imagination. And drown dudes in a swimming pool. I don't know what you do, though, if you're invisible, right? Like, Be upset. It's not particularly useful superpower. You can't nick anything because just, people just see it floating away. You just follow it. Um, yeah. Again, you couldn't be a super soldier because you're just running around in the nud. 
trying to exactly. fight people who have guns. No. no, unless like we said, the the Lee Wano one, when you're wearing a suit, which would be cool. But other than that, no, you're just yeah. running around in the nip. So anyway, at this point, they're like, right, okay, guns, thermal goggles, here we go, off we go. And then they walk off without uh, Janice for some reason. And then she, she turns around to get something. He's literally two seconds behind. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then he bursts through and strangles her. And that character point... dies first. <laughs> yes. What a well, surprise. <laughs> well, technically Kramer did, but yes, the one out of the main characters died. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then this point they're like, oh my God, where's Janice? And for some reason he stuffed her in a locker. And they're like, oh, oh my God, now we've got to go take him down. And they all decide to split up. So this is when Brolin and Carter go off. And then <laughs> this is when Kevin Bacon suddenly has superhuman strength. Because yeah. he's able to reach down from some pipes, lift up Carter and start choking him. Who is not a small man, right? No. He's a, no. He's a big old lad, Greg Grunberg. And you're not going to pick him up with one hand around the throat. No, and then and bro- not, he can't even escape him. It's not like he can just go get off me. Yeah, exactly. Elbow up or whatever. But anyway, so That's me, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> so eventually, Brolin can't possibly shoot him, and then lets Carter go. Carter whacks his throat and starts bleeding out. Um, and then off Bacon goes again. And at this point, I believe that's when Sarah arrives and is like, "Oh, he needs blood. He needs lots of blood." Now, Sarah and Frank. Lab- Sarah and Frank arrive together. That's right. That's um, right. Kim yeah. Dickens and Jerry Slotnick turn up and they are yeah and frank stays with carter while yeah she goes to get the blood even though yeah. it's predominantly in a lab full of animals they've got gallons and gallons and gallons of human blood like you know, makes no. sense yeah, yeah unless no, no. she was just no. gonna give you an animal blood i don't know again so... this is exactly like aliens right this is exactly like the bit with veronica cartwright and yafet going to get the uh going to get the oxygen t- tanks that's right yeah so it's it's a carbon copy so anyway sarah goes into that part of the lab to get the blood, realises Bacon's in there, throws all the blood everywhere, doesn't really do much good anyway, and then Bacon manages to shoot her in the heart before she throws the blood, and then we get a cool visual of him covered in blood. He shoots her that in the heart cool with a tranquilizer. Yeah. And then he breaks yeah. her neck. Bang. Because apparently it's really easy just to break someone's neck, just like that. Oh, yeah, no, no. Very easy. Yep. 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 Uh, at this point, uh, Elizabeth Shue, and Brolin, and Frank have regrouped. They come in. Yeah, Carter's see... dead. Carter's died. He's totally dead because they were fucking. He was literally like, oh, he's, he's going to die. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. And also, it was like, we need to get him some blood. And do what? Make him drink it? Like, what are you going to do with that blood? <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he needs to just give bags of it. Like, I don't know yeah, what to do with it. I'm, I'm, a vet. I'm a vet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then they discover uh, Sarah's been put in the freezer. And then yeah. Brolin and Elizabeth Shue go in there. And then that's when Frank's like, oh, no, that bastard. And then suddenly. He gets impaled by a crowbar. Why there's a crowbar in this lab, I don't know. But you, you know, know, you need a crowbar. Exactly. <laughs> Crowbar's a handy bit of kit. <laughs> Indeed. And then Bacon locks him in the freezer, puts on the temperature down real low, so they're going to die. Then he decides, proceeds to get dressed and put on a wig. Where he got that wig from, I don't know. I don't know whether he just shaved a gorilla or just put that on his head. And also, sure. why does he need to get changed to put clothes on when he's been walking around in the buff this whole time? He's, he's getting changed, putting clothes on, drawing little eyebrows on. Everything. I mean, I, I, feel, I feel I feel the pain. I'd love I'd love to draw some eyebrows on. Like it'd be great. Um, he looks with the cap and the melty face and the sunglasses and the wig exactly like Tom Cruise. Do you know, I hadn't noticed that, but I'll have to go back. He to looks one. exactly like Tom Cruise <laughs> in, Mission, in Mission Impossible Two. <laughs> yeah, there, there was an element of that even when they were making the mask for him later. Like, hey, he's got in it. Mission, yeah, it's Mission Impossible bit... Two come out this year. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he looks like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible all the way down to the leather jacket. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah. So, and then also he's fashioned some sort of bombs out of chemicals on that spinny thing that 
like the nitro ceremony, I think. That's it, yeah. yeah. And he's broke the keyboard, so they couldn't possibly stop it. Now he's broke the keyboard. And the, the funniest scene in this film, and it got parodied in Scary Movie 2, and it's so goddamn funny, is when Elizabeth Shue makes a magnetic thing to open the door. Oh, my God. So stupid. At Scary Movie 2, she makes a bulldozer, and bulldozes the door open. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty flat. laughs> but, yeah, that's all I can think of, that parody in Scary Movie 2. So she manages to open the door, lights a bonfire, <laughs> warm up Josh Brolin, and then decides... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so That's funny. Stupid. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, sorry. Josh Brolin has been slashed by... Um, Bacon before he locked him in the freezer with the, she, with the crowbar, the very right. sharp crowbar. Yeah, she goes, "Oh, none of your organs have been cut. How the bloody hell do you know?" <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> nah, yeah, no, nah, it's fine. It's the liver. It's yeah. one bit. It's in one piece. So she just puts a load of duct tape over him. Yeah, good as new. And then, and then, but yeah, she puts him by this bonfire. So is there nothing warm. you can't do with duct tape? <laughs> exactly, duct tape with an hammer. Yeah. And then she fashions a flamethrower for herself. Goes after Bacon, and then just before he goes to the elevator, sets him on fire. Now, this is the bit I had the problem with. Like, you'd be able to see all the charred bits on him. She just gave him, like, third-degree burns or something like that. But fire and having also, up... he's invisible. He's not superhuman. She's just set him on fire. Like, yeah, even if not it's even invisible little bit blisters, proper set him on fire. Even if it's, like, invisible blisters, they're still going to be there. Like, he's going to be an absolute... Agony. How is he running around? Oh, God knows. But yeah, then he manages to strip off, then go invisible again. She turns on all the water so she can see well, the outline of him, which is clever. <laughs> I noticed the sprinklers in that place were shit because she had to literally yeah! fire a flamethrower at it to set it off. Why didn't it set off when he was on fire? Isn't that a point or of a sprinkler? Off, or when she set a bonfire or when he exploded a bit of the lab earlier, the sprinklers would immediately turn on. Yeah. Useless. Nonsense. So they start fighting. He starts choking her and all that. And then Brolin suddenly ain't dead anymore. Comes back. It's him. <laughs> um, Kevin Bacon. He says to her, he says to her when he's beating her up, I always knew you were a bitch. It's like, what? 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 <laughs> What's that dialogue? You can't think of anything better. That's like placeholder stuff. Like, what are you doing? This is what this film's so misogynistic. It's just, it really oh, got under yeah, my skin with it. It's, it's terrible. It's so anyway, there's a women are, women are things. <laughs> that's what this that's what this film has taught me. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Him. Yeah. Um there's a bit of a scuffle. Bacon tries to hit Brolin with a crowbar, he moves out of the way, electrocutes himself. Apparently electricity partially brings you back now as being invisible. But also, it doesn't make... electrocute all, all the other people standing in the water. <laughs> yes. That always bothered me, even as a sixteen year old watching. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. Dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they decide to climb out of the elevator shaft. There's a bit more of a, a scuffle because Bacon still ain't dead after enduring all that. How is he not dead? <laughs> exactly. How is he not dead? And then forces a kiss on Elizabeth Shue for some reason. I don't know why. And then she hits the elevator and he plunges to his death. And that's the end of Bacon. Brolin and Elizabeth Shue get out and the film just ends. There's no yeah, repercussions. Ends. There's no hang on. Many animals have died. Many people have died. That's yeah. The gorillas, the gorillas, dead. The gorillas, Nothing. dead. Um, no, no, they're just getting a, in an ambulance. And that's that's the end of the movie. And I'm like, it also does oh, that Jesus. thing that I really hate at the end of these kind of films. It's the bit that obviously the the, the elevator shaft has exploded and it's all fallen down. There's a bit where it kind of clips her on the arm. She's like, ow. It's like <laughs> that's not what would happen. Um, yeah, that bothered me. Her whole arm would go off. You would just go, oh, oh I lose your arm. Oh, ow. Oh, an elevator hit me in the arm. Um, oh, and then they're kind of hanging one armed on this this broken ladder. Uh, you know, he who has a massive gash in his side and they just kind of like smile and kiss each other. I'm like, your friends are all dead. <laughs> I hate it. Films, but at the end, everyone's like, <laughs> we lived. It's like, but lots of other people who are your friends and colleagues have died horribly in the last half an hour. 
and you're probably all going to go to prison from complying with what Bacon oh, wanted to well, do in the first place. See, no, I don't think so, because they're the only two people that know what happened. They just say uh, any old shit. They used to be like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, the lab exploded. What happened? Mm. Everyone died. They don't have exactly shown scientific rigour up to this point. I don't no, expect true. them to start now. True. So we've gone quite long talking about the plot synopsis, mainly because yes, this film have. is so fucking stupid. We had many There's things to talk about. A lot so, going on. None of it good. <laughs> no, none of it good. I mean, we've probably summarised how we feel about the film even before we come to the final verdict. But yes. So, As I said at the beginning, if you know somebody who likes this film, they're either a 15-year-old boy or a sex pest. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, moving on to our next section. So, when we what we kind of touched on it earlier when um, we first started the episode. When we were 15, 16 and we watched it, what did we love or hate about it back then? So, we'll start with you. Uh, when I was fifteen, when I was the cinema, when I was fifteen, I loved it. Right, there was that transgressive nature of being able to see an eighteen certificate film mm-hmm. in the cinema that hadn't necessarily developed my critical faculties enough yet to distinguish between good and bad, and to distinguish between the elements I like and why I like. Um, so I love and always have loved the genre of films, subgenre of films, usually horror. Group of people get picked off one by one, be it a slash film, be it Alien, yep. be it The Relic, you know, anything like that. I'm all over that stuff. So that yep. bit of this film, I really enjoyed. Um, and just, you know, it was it was a Paul Verhoeven film. I loved Paul Verhoeven. I love Robocop. I love Total Recall. You know, you don't necessarily, as a 15-year-old, have the ability to draw the distinction between that's good, that's not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How about yourself? Pretty much spot on to what you've just said. Like, it was very exciting going to watch an 18 movie. There was a lot of action going on. It was Paul Verhoeven. Um, I didn't love it. Uh, what really bothered me about it is that the trailer sells it like it's a film that it isn't. It looks like oh, he escapes the lab and they have to get outside the lab and find him. It's like, yeah, that's the film I wanted to see. Not him fucking around in the lab, toying with people. I want, <laughs> For I two hours. To, yeah, basically, the film I wanted to see became The Invisible Man, which is the Lee Wannell movie, which is far superior, much better, you know. Yeah. But couldn't agree more. But yes, that's that was my problem with it. That, so that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed it overall back then. I didn't hate it. I was just disappointed with it. I guess. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we've come to the next section about what do we love and hate about it now, which could end up being an episode <laughs> in itself. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, let's start with the love because I've got two points about what I loved about this movie, or should I say loved, enjoyed about this movie. I have, um, I say the special effects, um, the, okay. the Invisible Man stuff in particular. Now, some of the, the CGI is a little bit ropey now, but the way they did it, as I was reading, they created a 3D model capillaries up of Kevin Bacon so when he's getting invisible that's actually photo well photorealistic but actual scanned images of his body so it is what it would look like if you stripped Kevin Bacon back from Kevin Bacon all the way down to a skeleton um so the effects great um Elizabeth Shue I think is holding it all together as best as she can um she's far too good an actress to be in this film far too good um and horribly miscast as well I didn't think so. Actually. I think she was good. I mean, Kim. I mean, apparently she 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 injured herself during filming, and they yep. almost um, replaced her with 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 another actress. Um, I think, I believe, if I read correctly, it was offered to Jennifer Lopez, um, which would have been a very different film. Um, she'd just come off Anaconda, though, so I didn't want to get typecast as the horror film right. person. It's another film we should do. Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, I'd say that Kim Dickens is quite good in it as well. Um, some of the some of the supporting cast are fine. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's that's about it for love. You, me, I had two points. Interesting premise. Last twenty minutes are moderately exciting. <laughs> that's it. Right. Okay. That's it. I, I, I'm going special effects and the perform- no. some of the performances are fine. I thought the performances were all piss poor. I thought <laughs> the CGI is not good, and 
everyone's a fucking pervert in this film and oh god so well, yes. let's go, let's go the, I mean you can sum the hate you yeah, can but, the hate quite, quite simply in the two words sexual assault <laughs> yeah that do you know what if that scene if that scene wasn't in the movie and the bit where it'd he fondles uh, no I was going to say it'd be better it's still a shit film but I could have really done without all the rapiness you know what, yeah. why can't it just be a bloke who just likes goes mad with the power and they, they decide to turn him back and he doesn't want to turn there's, there's back none of that. maybe something there's, like there's, that you know I mean, as I've said, there's none of that, right? He's he's a dickhead from minute one, right? Yeah. There's there's no there's no sense that he's been corrupted. He was already corrupted. He was just an ass. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the, to 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 make this film better, you'd have to do a page one rewrite. Right? There's no way no. that this film in its current state with a different director with anything would have been any better. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's got some. I mean, you got pedigree behind it, right? Some of the actors are good actors. You've got Paul Verhoeven, who has been a good director. You've got the music by Jerry Goldsmith. God's mm-hmm. sake, like. He's yep. a proper Hollywood composer. Yep. And Kevin Bacon. And also, Kevin why, Bacon. Why was Kevin Bacon only second on the credits? That really bothered me. I mean, because like, Elizabeth Shue has a better agent, apparently. Well, yeah. But I guess she'd come He's, off like leaving Las Vegas and movies like that. It's even, so. on, the, it's even on the box there. It's, yeah. it's top billing. Elizabeth Shue yeah. has top billing in this film. Yeah. It's an Elizabeth yeah. Shue film. Last time that would ever happen. Um, I don't believe she, she has top billing in anything after this, except maybe Piranha 3D. Maybe. She's in The Ooh. Boys, but she doesn't get top billing on that. No, oh, I'm sure she got. Yeah, yeah, sure she has had top billing since then, but nothing in a, in as big a film as this. Yeah, and I, I mean, we've already. I mean, some of these things we're going to repeat. We're going to try and whiz through this, but I mean, like the dialogue's awful. It's so dialogue's bad. It, it's almost like it's a first draft, you know, script written by a seventeen year old or something. Yeah. Awful. Well, I guess that's as a 15 year old, you wouldn't notice that, right? As a 15 year old, you watch saying, Oh, this is quite exciting. It's quite good. This is how people talk. It's like, no, it's how 15 year old boys talk. It's not how scientists talk or grown adults of any ilk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've talked about the perviness at length. That's something that didn't sit well with me at all. No repercussions at all for anything that's going on, which is horrible. Um, yeah, I've already mentioned as well that it bothers me. It takes place in a lab and it could have been extended a bit further. Yeah. Um, most of this stuff we've discussed, anyways. We've been I mean, going. Through I think. I think we've eviscerated it. We've eviscerated it as we've gone. Right. This is not a good film. I mean, I can't believe like looking at the, the box. Total Film and Empire both gave it four out of five. I mean, I don't know what film they watched. Exactly. Um, and I do wonder if they watched it again now, what would they give it? Because it, for me, it barely gets a two out of five. You know. Yeah. It's I mean, not, that's generous. It's not unwatchable, but it's pretty shit. Gen- very generous. Um, a two. I think it's not. Yeah. It's. It's almost like it's got too much money to be that bad. I mean, it's not so bad. It's good either. It's just sort of grimy and just. Uh, just le- I've the- said it before: leering, seedy, and leering. It's yeah. not. It's, no, it, it's not. It's not fun. It just left a really fun. bad taste it's in not my fun. mouth. Just like, it was no, two hours on a Sunday night that I could have been watching something more enjoyable, um, like, like the Lee Wano Invisible Man. Yeah, which I will, which I probably will go and rewatch now, or, or the original, um, original nineteen nineteen thirties one. Yeah. That one Claude Rains. It's great. It's great. It's it's a great film. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. So we've obliterated this movie. I think it's quite clear Absolutely. how we feel about it. So we're going to move on to our regular section that is going to be on the It Doesn't Hold Up podcast. It's Smith trivia about this movie. So Smith trivia. Tiny little bits. Smith. Well, tiny little bits here. Just going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, what do you think the budget for this film was? I believe it was around ninety million. 90, 95 million, 50 okay. million of which went on special effects. Yep. yep. Um, how much do you think it grossed globally? I 200 million? 190.2 million. Now, where do you think that puts it in the list of top films of the year? 
of the year 2000. Oh, yeah, the year lot. 2000, according to Box Office Mojo, globally, of the year 2000. Well, we had a lot of stuff that year. You had like Mission Impossible 2 and Gladiator. And oh, you just that. named the top two films. <laughs> Mission Impossible <laughs> 2 was the top grossing film of that year. Gladiator is the second top grossing film. I tell you, the, okay. the, next, the next few, the top five, Cast Away was at number three. Yep. What Women Want was at number four. <laughs> Mel Gibson. And number five is the unwatchable Disney film Dinosaur. Never seen it. Don't want to see it. Oh, Christ. I tried watching it recently. I got it 20 minutes in and turned it off. Okay. Hollow Man comes in at number, what do you think? 20, maybe. 22. Wow. I'm getting pretty good at this. You are getting pretty good at this. 22. It comes in at number 22. It beat Scream 3. Mm-hmm. It beat Final Destination. Oh, beat shame. Dracula 2000. That's no surprise. <laughs> and it's no surprise. And it beat Urban Legends 2. And those were the kind of the big horror films that were out yeah. and around about the same time. Um, notable films that it beat in the box office for the year. And this, this, these are the ones where I always look at it and go, people have no taste uh oh brother where art thou mm. pitch black that was good american psycho mm. 13 days and shadow of the vampire all cracking films all and a bit arty beat- though bit, bit arty. yeah all beaten by this yeah none okay. of them as good as this no um right and finally according to rotten tomatoes let's see if people agree with our assessment of this film what do you reckon the audience rating on rotten tomatoes is i think i know is it 29 percent Twenty-eight percent. Wow. Well, I'm not critics, far off for my estimations. Yeah. Critics. What do you think critics gave it? Forty-four. Twenty-six. Oh, wow. Absolutely eviscerated by the critics at the time. Only thing, apart from apparently Empire and Total Film, um, the two magazines I used to read, um, the only the only positive things that anyone said about this was about the special effects. That 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 was it. And I think they should. So, so, so yeah. So there you go. That's, so. There you go. That's that's hollow, man. Yeah. Well, well, I guess. Yeah, there, there's no surprise, really. This is the final verdict. Smith, does it hold up? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> God, no, it's awful. Uh, Stu, does it hold up? It does not hold up. It does not. No, no. Um, I, I, I hope to never watch this film again. I might go and throw it off the balcony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You actually bought it. I mean, I bought it. When it came out, one of the first DVDs I did. So like, one pound fifty English of my English money on this. One pound fifty. <laughs> it's like one forty nine too much. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Okay, no, doesn't hold up. Anything else you want to say about Hollow Man other than what we've already discussed? I don't think so. I don't no. think so. No, me neither. I'm tired of talking about this movie. No, I, I don't think there's anything else to say. He uh, said everybody involved has made better films. Everyone. Yeah, apart everyone from themselves. even even the screenwriter and yeah. Long may it continue. Mm. Right. So, shall we discuss next week's nomination? Now, I chose Turtles. Yes. You chose Hollow Man for some reason, that childhood classic. <laughs> so, it's, it's your turn now, and yeah. I am on tenterhooks, my friend. What What is it we are going to be watching next? So, what if I said to you, I have the power? Oh, God. Ah, uh, He-Man. We are going to be watching Masters of the Universe, the Dolph Lundgren classic from the 1980s. So, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot something wait. to hold up. Doesn't it have to have been good in the first place? I mean, it's probably going to be like Turtles. It's one of those things you watch as a kid and thought, oh, this kicked ass, but it probably really didn't. But anyway, <laughs> we are going to revisit objectively and not drunk because the last time I watched it, I was hammered. Like, yes, it's great. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to watch this stone cold sober in the day, so I don't fall asleep. And yeah, 
give it my full attention and then we will come ready to discuss it next time, next episode. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, that's all right. This will end up being a revenge thing. You're going to give me a really shitty film to watch. Oh, next don't time. you worry. I'm already, I'm already teeing something up for next time. <laughs> Please do. But no, hold me in suspense. Don't tell me. So, uh, yeah. Before we get out of here, I just want to plug our socials. So, if you would like to email us with any recommendations of films, TV shows, games, cartoons, experiences, whatever you want us to cover, you can email us at it doesn't hold up podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at it doesn't hold up podcast. We're on Twitter at doesn't hold up pod. YouTube, it doesn't hold up podcast. And also uh, we're on YouTube, uh, as I've just said, but we're on Spotify and Apple podcasts and other good places you can listen to podcasts. And also I forgot to mention earlier, please do leave us a review. Very, very grateful. We're a new podcast. We really want to get ourselves out there. Leave us a good review. Give us a good star rating. And if you give us a review, we'll give you a little shout out and read out your comment on this, uh, on the show. So, Yes, well, I guess thanks, Michael, for nominating Hollow Man this week. It's certainly you're very welcome. You're very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Was an experience talking about it, but uh, thank you all for joining us for another episode of It Doesn't Hold Up podcast, and we will catch up next time to talk about Masters of the Universe. You take care, and uh, yeah.